From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just gotten recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making it so fun and cool. Perfect for ages six and up, new episodes drop every Thursday. Each are stacked with so much laughter that your kids won't even realize how much they're learning. So we're all about here at No Guilt Mom making your life easier. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Hello and welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. This is Bree here today bringing you guys a replay of one of our favorite episodes from this year. This episode is How to Be a Tech Healthy Family with the one and only Andrea Davis. And in this episode, Andrea goes over so much fantastic information. And uh, while you're listening, listen for her advice on how to have screen-free family rituals, how to like have that conversation with your family so that it's something that your kids have buy-in for and it just becomes a core part of your family routine. So without further ado, we hope that you all enjoy this encore presentation of How to Be a Tech Healthy Family with Andrea Davis. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my co-host, Bree Tucker. Wow, hello, hello, but how are you? <laughs> We're digging in today to some screen time, Brie. Yeah, I have to tell you, this has been weighing on me so much lately. Screen time has come up both with No Guilt Mom, but also like with my own family because we took a vacation in March where we went on a cruise and I refused to tell my kids that there was Wi-Fi. <laughs> so yeah. they didn't they didn't know how to get on the Wi-Fi. And I have to admit, like, even though you've heard me talk about it, like, I would have liked some things to have gone differently with the cruise line and my kids to have made some different choices in terms of socializing with people, which they did not, but that's okay. That's okay. They socialized me <laughs> a ton. Um, we got so much family time. It really gave me a glimpse of what life is like when we extract those devices. And I got to admit, I really, really loved it. I didn't think it was possible, but it was, and it was amazing. Well, that's excellent. Oh. It's so funny with me. Like people are like, oh yeah, family time without screens. I don't remember a time even in my childhood that we didn't have screens. Like we were the house that had a television in every single house. Like there was a television at the kitchen table. There's a television in the bedrooms, like everywhere was screens. So like even now in my home, we don't have TVs. We have two and then there's screens, but usually it is quiet and there's not that TV noise in our house. And we talk during dinner instead of watching the TV, uh, which I think is different from how I grew up. So it's always interesting when, especially when we're talking to Andrea, you're going to hear her and what she does in her family. And I was like, wow, I never experienced that as a kid, but oh, I, my, yeah. my childhood was great. It was great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I had a great I mean, childhood. I would say for our generation, it's really hard to think of a time when you didn't have a screen. It really mm -hmm. is. I mean, and if you did, you were the exception, not the norm. And yeah. in this day and age, we struggle as parents trying to figure out where that balance is. And I think that's why just bringing in as much information as we possibly can 
is so helpful. And yeah. Andrea was so helpful with this. She's so helpful. <laughs> like I always tell people, I watched TV so much as a kid. I thought I made a career out of it. And that's, I went into television. <laughs> I knew so much about it. I knew so much about it. So and that didn't work out for various reasons, but not for my TV habits. <laughs> A story for another day, but you are going to love our interview with Andrea Davis. She's the founder of Better Screen Time and the author of Creating a Tech Healthy Family, which you can find on Amazon. She helps parents worry less about tech and connect more with their kids, which we are all about here at No Guilt Mom. So we hope you enjoy our interview with Andrea. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Andrea. And we are so excited to have you here today because I I love your work. And I think it's so refreshing to hear somebody talk about how screen time can be used for good, as well as being aware of the dangers and educating kids about it. So I totally dig you and welcome, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited to be with you guys. So with your whole screen time journey as a family, first of all, tell us a little bit about your family because you have a rather large one. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we have five kids. Our oldest is 18 and our youngest is eight. And we have four girls and one boy. That is a big spread. You've yes. got a lot of ages there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I cover the gamut. A lot. Yes. And what is your background too? Yes. So my background is in secondary education. So before I stayed home with my kids, I actually taught junior high. I taught a couple mm. of semesters of college. So I love teaching, but I've spent quite a number of years at home with my kids. So just education is my background. <laughs> yeah. I would have bet that you were an educator before you got into this work, just yes. the way you approach it. I'm a former educator as well. I was a fifth grade teacher before oh, awesome. No Guilt Mom. Yeah. And I think like as educators, we kind of like approach this whole parenting thing, kind of coming from the classroom, knowing that for kids to do things that you need them to do, you have to teach them how to do it because no arbitrary age that they just wake up and they're like, oh, I suddenly have all this new skills and maturity to handle these things. Yes. And in your book, Creating a Tech Healthy Family, you mention you're like the story that kind of got you into this line of work. Can you share that with us? Yes. So first off, everyone needs to know that we are the family that's kept our TV in the closet. So we only pulled it out for the Olympics and family movie night. And when my kids were little, I, I loved, I just wanted them to be readers. So I had a really good friend who was an amazing reader. And I just asked her one day, I said, Rachel, what did your friends do to instill this love of reading? And she said, oh, well, we didn't have a TV growing up. 
And I was just fascinated by that. And so I went home and I told my husband, Tyler, I said, Hey, what would you think if we just put the TV in the closet? We'll pull it out for a family movie night for the Olympics. And he's not really into sports. So it was an easy sell. And it was, that's what we did for years and years. Yeah. Emphasized other things in our home. And, you know, we had a desktop computer. So our kids still did that. But again, this was kind of a different era. Well, fast forward years later, and my oldest was suddenly in middle school. And we had a big cross-country move. We moved from Illinois to Oregon, where we now live. And my daughter's friends were starting to get phones. And we were moving to this place where we didn't know anyone. So we had this abandoned smartphone that no one was using. And we handed handed it over to our daughter, thinking this will be a great way for her to stay in touch with these friends that she left behind. Because moving in middle school is not fun. And also then Mm -hmm. she can get in touch with me to know where to get off the bus. And really just logistically, it seemed to make sense, right? Well, fast forward a few months later and my daughter came home from school one day and she was eating her after school snack, her bowl of cereal. So she's spinning cereal into her mouth with one hand and with her other hand, she's doing this. She's scrolling and not talking to me. Mm-hmm. And I suddenly realized that this device was had become a wedge in our relationship. And I thought, hey, where did my kid go? Like, what happened here? And then a few more months passed and I was in the kitchen leaning over the kitchen table, looking at my own phone, scrolling. And I came across a post for my daughter and it was her lip syncing the words to a song about a Glock and she had her hand to her head like a gun. And at that moment, Mm -hmm. it pulled a trigger inside of me and I realized, oh my goodness, I have failed her. This was way too much too soon. So we actually went back to a flip phone. That's really all that was available six years ago. There weren't kids safe phones like there are now. And it was not a fun experience. There were lots of tears. Uh, It was upsetting for her. It was hard for us to admit that we'd made the mistake. And we just decided we need to reset. We're going to start this over. And I realized that parents needed a lot more guidance and help when it came to technology. And we can err on the side of really protecting our kids and we need to protect them, but also we may not be preparing them the way that we should be and and really taking this process deliberately and slowly. So that's why I started Better Screen Time. Wow. Yeah, and something about your story, I think that many parents can relate to that. And also without this guidance existing, you just don't know what can happen with kids and technology and what is too much too soon and what they do need to be exposed to and what they do need to learn because it's funny. You say your daughter scrolling through her phone when she's eating. I have these conversations with my 14-year-old all the time because I noticed that behavior. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the, the huge things that scares me about technology use, especially among teens today, is that they're not talking to each other. They're just totally absorbed in their own devices. And it scares me even more than the aspect of them viewing content online because if you can't talk to people, you can't process what you see. You can't really get out of situations and handle emotions and that sort of thing. So just being prepared for that. So what now after doing that, what did you see that 
you did differently with your younger kids. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, all. It is Joanne. And Bree here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. Shout out to Clarendon for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Hey guys, Bree here, and let me tell you, April is a killer time of the year for me because it is crazy allergy season. I swear, everything that is in bloom looks fantastic and beautiful, but it makes it so I can't breathe. I am literally coughing, sneezing, rubbing my nose. I look like Rudolph half of the spring. It's terrible. But luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies like I do, we live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can finally breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine is the best decongestant available. It relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I absolutely love it. It is the only allergy medicine that works for me. So if you're ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just one quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. So what now after doing that, what did you see that you did differently with your younger kids? Well, initially after that experience, I was panicked. I started reading a lot of books, uh, Glow Kids, Reset Your Child's Brain, iGen. I mean, all these books that were really kind of on the front end of this screen time topic. And I was really starting to panic. I started to parent from a place of fear. And as I sat the kids down, my husband and I, I was just going through this list of rules, like we're not doing this anymore. We're not doing that. This, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the kids were just looking at me like deer in the headlights and shrugging their shoulders. And oh my goodness, mom is freaking out. And I had to pause and just have this moment of self-reflection and realize, you know, when I was in the classroom and was teaching, 
was this an effective way to get my students on board? And the answer is no, right? And you know that as an educator, like the best way to get people on board is to help them understand why, why this matters and to get their input. And they need to be part of the solution. And so it was at that point when I realized, okay, we're going to approach this differently. We'll sit down together. We're going to first talk about technology as a tool. So we made a thumbs up and a thumbs down list. And I just asked our kids, I said, okay, thumbs up. What are the things that you love about tech? And we made a big long list and then thumbs down. Okay, what do we need to watch out for when it comes to tech? And we made a long list there too. And it's such a powerful exercise. And I recommend anyone listening that you do this with your kids because it teaches them the skill, which is the skill of discernment. And that is a skill to be able to tell the difference between good and bad. And they have to recognize that, that yes, technology is a tool. It can be used for good and bad. But at some point, that's going to be on me, my choice to have to decide this. And my parents are helping me now, but they're not always going to be right there, right? So we started with that. And then we worked into our next conversation was about actually creating a family tech plan. And we talked about where will we use screens? What will we do on them? How long? All those those W questions, where, when, what, how long? And then we just talked about this as a family. What are some non-negotiables? And I, of course, came to the conversation with some agenda items, but at the same time, really trying to listen to my kids. And one of those things that I felt very strongly about, especially after doing a lot of research, was that we would only use screens in shared spaces. So in our family room and the kitchen and the office area and not taking screens in the bedrooms. And that was tough because the kids said, hey, mom, you take your screen in the bedroom. And I was like, Uh you're right, I do. And so it was at that moment that I decided, you know, not only do I want to model this for my kids, but I know I'll benefit as well. So that was six years ago. And I've, I've committed to that ever since, not taking my phone or my laptop into the bedroom. And I've gained so much from that. And so I think, you know, parents are just like, where do I start with my kids? It really is with having those conversations and creating that family tech plan, getting your kids to share their input. And then just realizing that you kind of have to pick your battle. I heard this line once, pick your battles wisely and then win them. So there are a few things that might (laughs) be, this is what we need to do. And other things you might need to compromise a little bit and baby step into it basically. Well, I love how you started that because I think a lot of times when we're having these conversations about screen use, tech use, especially phones, right? Our kids, and and I feel like this is true for almost every age, they come battling. They come with their heels dug in. They're ready to, to go to fight for it because they feel like you're an adult. They immediately assume your agenda is to take it away from them and to not let them do stuff. And I love how you said, like, coming in with the whole, what do we love about tech, what we don't love about tech, because that gives you the end. You get to see what they not only already understand as being the negative sides of it, but what they see as the negative side. So that's how you can choose your battles wisely, right? You can take what they already identified and be like, okay, this is, that's my end. That's my end. (laughs) Yes. It's like the motivational interviewing technique. (laughs) where where you're like, oh, tell me more about this bad side about technology. I like about it. 
hadn't even thought, hadn't of, thought that. of that. Yes, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Tell me more. So I, I love about what you said about discernment because I think this is the most important thing that we can do with our kids in tech. Because like you said, they're not going to be with us all the time. They need to know the difference between right and wrong. And the last thing I want my kids to do is to be like, oh my gosh, my mom never lets me do this. Let's do this right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, because I feel yeah. like that's a pretty natural tendency of kids. Totally. I would do it as a kid, definitely. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so discernment, I think, is just such an important skill when it comes to tech. Yeah, for sure. What other skills or tools or things is it important to teach kids when they have this phone? You said already like using it in shared spaces. What else could they do? Yeah. So I think having a conversation about, you know, times of day when we should have screens put away, like dinner time or having a certain time in the evening where everybody puts devices away so that you can unwind for bed and have that time to relax and also to reconnect as a family. I think that's really important. Of course, that will vary from family to family. So that's why I think it's so valuable to have this conversation with your kids and decide, well, what -hmm. what works for us? What's like that? I always tell families, like pick your screen-free family rituals. What are those things that just are part of your family? If that's a walk after dinner or it's a family game night on Friday, Picking a few of those things and trying to keep those screen free, that's really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. And then I think just talking about what kind of content is appropriate, what's not, why, you know, how does it affect us? And then we actually just this, that's how we kicked off our, these conversations we had with our kids, which we put in our discussion guide called creating a tech healthy family. And that's on Amazon. But we started with the pros and cons of tech, creating a family tech plan. And then we talked a lot about rules and how rules actually keep us safe. And I think that's a valuable conversation as well, that this technology is amazing. It's a tool, but we do need to have boundaries. And if those boundaries don't exist, then we are going to get in trouble. And I think the best comparison really is just the rules of the road, right? thinking about the chaos and mayhem Mm -hmm. that can happen if we're not following traffic laws. And the same thing applies when using our devices. We also had a lot of conversations about self-awareness because again, I think it's important for the kids to understand like, how do you feel if you were to sit and watch YouTube for three hours after that amount of time? Mm -hmm. Like, how are you feeling? Are you feeling sluggish? Are you feeling motivated? Did you get all these other things done that need to get done in a day, like your homework and getting some physical activity? And we talked to our kids a lot about putting those important things in place first, right? The things that keep us healthy, both both physically and mentally healthy. Mm -hmm. Because we, if we spend too much time on a screen, then we're missing out on those things that are going to truly keep us in line, basically. Yeah. And I love having the discussion too, because if you have the discussion and set the stage, then there's a time where the kids actually do need to practice the self-awareness and fail. It's one thing being told that, okay, you have to turn off your screen right now, else you're going to be mentally healthy. And it's another thing to be like, oh my gosh, mom, I still have this, this, and this to do. And I haven't done any of it. And it's like, well, what have you been doing? Oh, I've been on, I've been on my screen. 
because yeah. I think a lot of parents hear, hear this information and they're like, oh my gosh, now I need to watch my kids to make sure that they, or they do this already, the policing of screen time where the kids never experience that feeling of having all of your time sucked away and you don't have the time to do what you actually want to do. Well, I was going to say, and I don't think that they necessarily, as kids, that they believe us that that can happen if you've been policing it. Oh, Mm -hmm. there's no way I would get lost on my phone for hours. I'm way smarter than that. Because again, it's all about that experience, right? So I think that that's a really important thing there too. If you're policing it, you're keeping them from understanding that that legit can happen. Yeah. I also think it's important to recognize and consider ages and stages here because obviously what we would do with a three and a four-year-old is very different than what we would do with the 16-year-old. So I want to clarify that. There's a couple of reasons why self-regulation on a screen for kids really is not possible. And number one Mm -hmm. is it's important to understand their brain is still under construction, right? So the prefrontal cortex, that part of the brain that's responsible for decision-making isn't fully formed until we're in our mid-20s. And so you pair that with a device that uses something we call persuasive design. So a lot of the apps that are on the devices that we're using are designed to keep us hooked and keep us connected. Mm -hmm. And so you pair a brain that's under construction with an app that's using persuasive design, and it really is a losing battle. And so that's why I tell parents self-regulation on a screen for 99% of kids is a myth. It's not possible. So we do have to be there. We do have to create these boundaries and work with them and, and be there, be their accountability partner basically. But as they get older, then you do start to slowly relinquish a little bit of that and let them experience like, okay, what homework assignments do you need to get done? And what time do you have left? And so I think it doesn't just come down to wasting time on a screen, but even most of our kids are doing their homework on a screen, which is a whole nother challenge, right? right? My high schooler has a smartphone and she'll have that sitting by her school iPad and I'll see her pick it up several times. And occasionally I'll say, hey, do you want me to put your phone in the other room so you can focus? And it's kind (laughs) of just this playful thing because. She knows I'm there to, to help her. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten to that point. And she's like, no, mom, no, mom, I got it. I'll, and then sometimes she'll set it over on the other side of the table. So I think it's even just checking in with them rather than when they get to that point, rather than demanding, but almost offering, okay, hey, I can be your accountability partner. Do you need some help so you can focus on your homework? And it takes some time to get to that point, but it's a good place to be because I mean, my oldest is 18. She's going to college this fall. And so hopefully she'll hear my voice in her head when she has those moments. She's going to have to do that. So that's the point we have to get to. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You have probably heard me talk about my dog, Addie, before. And when we first got her, we didn't know that she was a counter surfer. Now, counter surfing animals are the ones who jump on counters, especially kitchen counters, when you're not looking and take stuff off of them. Well, in this instance, Addie had jumped onto the kitchen counter and eaten an entire bottle of my other dog's pain 
medication. You can imagine the freak out that ensued from me. So imagine this. You're at the vet's office again, knowing that vet care costs continue to rise. You're anxiously waiting to hear how expensive the bill will be. But if you had pet insurance, your pet could be covered for accidents or illnesses. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care that they may need. They allow you to customize the plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like streetcar tracks, and my bike's tire, like, went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just, like, skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com Dot com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order, use code no guilt. It's like the gradual weaning off, like in teaching at the I do, we do, you do, where like you gradually weed off the we do. Yeah. Uh, and when I, when I was talking about self-regulation, I was talking specifically about my high schooler. My nine-year-old is on a strict screen limit. We control the amount he spends on screens. We have constant check-in times with him, how he's feeling, making sure he's getting other things done, making sure all these yeah. other things are happening because the, the 
everything is so addictive on there. It's so addictive that if you don't have that in place, you never have the chance to have those discussions with your kids because they're going to be glued to their screen the entire time. You're not going to be able to pull them off and everything's going to be a fight to have those discussions. So, so like, true. do you have any recommendations for sort of like tools you could use to help you regulate that screen time for the younger ones in particular? Yeah, I think the, the best tool you have is creating the family tech plan. And we always put ours on the refrigerator. So it's right there. Mm-hmm. We'll review it at least twice a year. You know, sometimes when you're just starting out, you might have to redo it several times before you kind of get to a place Mm -hmm. where everybody's happy, but we have that on the fridge. So it's not like, well, mom, you said this, but it's like, no, actually it's written right here. This is how much time we get. I think that's one of the best tools because again, you're kind of teaching them to, to understand that we have this plan together, this agreement, but my kids always use a timer. So whether that's a smart speaker or a visual timer. When my kids were little, I used the time timer, which has like a very visual red mark. You've probably seen that as a teacher and it yeah, it goes back. So that's really mm-hmm. good for younger kids I'm using a timer. And then if you want to get really technical, another tool that we love is our router. So we have a router, it's called the Griffin router. And we have an app on our phone and you can actually set what time's you might allow screen time or not allow it. And you can set time limits on certain apps as well, which you can also do mm-hmm. with some of the built-in settings with like Apple screen time and Google family link and those kind of things as well. So mm-hmm. I think those, you know, use yeah. those to help you. But I think the conversations and the family tech plan are your best bet because the that goes, that's more like your kid's internal filter and that goes with them wherever they go, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Definitely. think those are amazing, amazing things. Uh, would you have any different advice for a family that may have already started like you were with your 12-year-old that has already started down the tech road, realizing, whoa, Nelly, I got to back this up. This has not worked out the way that we had hoped for whatever reason, maybe whatever reason it didn't work out. What is a way that they could probably do a reset with a kiddo that's like a tween or older? Yeah, I think it's a matter a of looking at seeing what are the biggest pain points. So for example, maybe this preteen or teen has social media and you feel like that's the thing that is unhealthy for your teen or they're either wasting time or they're finding content that's not appropriate or in line with your family's values. All then, of the above. Yeah. All <laughs> or of all the, of the above. above, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so maybe that's the thing that you scale back or that you eliminate for a while. And it's painful. It's not fun. But your kids, they're still learning at that age and they only get one chance to grow up. I, When I go speak to kids, I love to talk to them about your brain's going through this pruning process, right? And it's deciding what it's going to hang on to and what it's going to let go of. And so if you're spending like five hours playing Fortnite or you're spending five hours scrolling Instagram, you are missing out on this wonderful opportunity that you have to go learn how to shoot a basketball, learn a song on the piano, learn a new language, even just like 
social skills of hanging out with friends. Those are missed opportunities. You don't get that back because you and I both know that once you become an adult, you have to get a job, pay your own way. And you don't have that time to explore those skills, those opportunities in the way that you do at that age. So some kids get that and some kids don't, but I think that's a really important conversation to have is if you've got a teenager that's just spending tons of time on video games or social media, you find a way to scale back, whether it's getting rid of it for a while, or maybe they're on all the social media platforms and you're like, okay, we're going to pick one and we're going to monitor that one closely and you get, and we're going to, let's decide how long do you think is a good amount of time? Like how much time do you actually have a day in a day to spend on YouTube or whatever? So let's limit that. So we have two online courses. One is called Creating a Tech Healthy Family and the other one is Untangling Teens in Tech. And in that teen course, we help the parent work with the teen individually to create a plan together. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like you have this family tech plan, but when they get older, you have to start to, again, give them a little bit more not just freedom, but they need an individualized plan in a way. And so I think yeah. that's the best thing is sit down, make a plan with with your teen. And know that it's going to be a little painful at first. Yes, <laughs> it will be. <laughs> it's going to be a little painful. Just like well, when I have to give up you... sugar. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Don't give up the sugar. Don't give up. Just like <laughs> when I have to give up the sugar. No, it's an addiction. It um, what do you have coming up, Andrea, that you're excited about? Yeah. So I've been doing some more speaking. And so that has been just a a fun thing. I just got back from DC a couple of weeks ago in Baltimore and did some speaking events. And that's been fun to get out and to connect with people in real time. Because again, it's ironic, but I spent a lot of time behind a screen doing my work, sharing on social media and writing emails. And it is so ironic. So I don't travel a ton because I want to be here for my kids, but I selectively do say yes to some things and that that's fun. So I, I am excited and looking forward to doing some more speaking in the coming year. That's, that's awesome. really exciting. But being around people again, it's just so exciting. Yes. <laughs> no. I still don't, I'm still not over it after the whole, after the whole COVID <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Andrea. This has been great. And um, parents I know are walking away with great suggestions on how to start these discussions and tech plans with their teens. So thank you again. Yeah. Thank you, Joanne and Bree. It was my pleasure. So there was one time during the interview, Bree, where I was about to break out into song because you said a rap lyric or a song lyric. And I can't remember oh. it now, but it was like, bring it back, bring it back. You said, yeah, let's bring it back. I'm like, bring it oh, back. Bring I it think back. I said, yeah, I did say something that made me start thinking about Greece. I forget what I said too, but there was some <laughs> line totally where I immediately froze. It just jumped in my head. So. Oh, it jumped in your head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it's, it's such an interesting interview because a lot of times with screen time, those discussions, that is really where the magic lies with kids because there's no monitoring. You can't follow your child around every second of the day, policing their screen time use. It wouldn't make you happy, wouldn't make the kid happy. So really the education is where it's at when it comes to screen time. Yeah. I think a lot of times, like you just said, we feel so much pressure as parents that we need to 
I mean, because they, they anywhere you go, all the research does say like un, un, um, filtered un, unwatched content on the internet is not good for your kids. It, so we all agree on that. But the somehow a concept came through that us as parents, the best way to handle that is for us to be on top of all of it. We need mm-hmm. to have all these monitoring things. We need to keep an eye on our kids. We need to like lock up the cell phones. And 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 we're not saying that that's, that's necessarily a bad idea, but it just, to me, feels extremely overwhelming, would cause burnout for me. And if anything goes wrong, I would 100% blame myself. And I, that's just not realistic. It's not a realistic expectation. And like well, there's you said, like such like, an inner now, like with what you have to use it as a tool versus what you use for entertainment. Right. And entertainment's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with entertainment. There's a whole industry made on entertainment. You could go and get a job creating this for people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a possibility. And I think we're so scared now of just ruining our kids that tech has been one of those things that many people have leached onto, especially moms and moms get the brunt of it because I was, I really wanted to ask questions about the dads. My husband, he's on his device all the time. And it's one of those things where, yeah, you can talk with your kids and monitor your kids. But when you have another adult who uses their screen to unwind, it's a hard thing to navigate. Because you have this other adult in the house who's on their screen and the kids are like, but they're on their screen. Why can't I be on my screen? First of all, we might need to do a follow-up with Andrea. But second Mm -hmm. of all, I think that that's part of the whole family tech thing. Because I, yeah, I'm thinking of plenty of times where I've had to be like, excuse me, hello, can we put our phone down? Uh, Mm -hmm. What was it? Devorah Heitner had one about double screening or something like that. Oh, yeah. And I was, as soon as I heard that, I noticed how much my family does that. And I do it too. So it's like, uh, oh, yeah. okay. I've done it. I've totally done it. I mean, in the car driving last night, my daughter was like, I heard the Instagram reels going. And I'm like, what you doing back there? She's like, I'm watching reels, but I'm driving. And then we got into this whole back and forth because this is what she does. But mom, you're not having a conversation with me. You didn't start the conversation. I'm like, how can I start the conversation? Is it my job to start the conversation all the time? Well, it's not my job to start the conversation all the time. Uh, it just goes back and forth. It's like a little ping pong match with us both where we get into that. And yet you got her off of her screen for that interaction. <laughs> yeah. And the only way I was able to get her, yeah. The only way I was able, I was like to identify the feeling in me that, yeah. Basically being on the screen creates some people. I'm like, I feel ignored that you're paying attention to your device and you're not starting a conversation with me. And that's when she was able to put it down and be like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Because maybe that, I, that is a good point. Yeah. When we, when we keep it all like, it's going to wreck your brain, that doesn't get through to some kids. But if you're, you're like, I feel ignored, they're like, oh, well then I'll put this down. Or at least they better understand where you're coming mm-hmm. from and why you're saying what you're saying. So. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, hope but, hope everybody got a lot of great information about Andrea. We've got her contact information in the show notes below. So reach out. She's got some great courses that she does and her book is phenomenal as well. So yes, lots of great discussions. So until next time, remember the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. And we'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. If 
If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.